The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. The sermon this morning is based on our lesson from Ephesians chapter 1, and, and with this lesson and this sermon today, we are beginning our sermon series that will last into the fall, actually. We're going we're gonna to get all the way until the second Sunday of September, and what we're going to do during these weeks here in summer and into the fall is read through a little bit at a time. We'll get a chance to read, actually, almost the entire book of Ephesians, and I invite you to join in and reading along with me and, and following along. We're calling this sermon series Built Together. And here this morning, we're going to start from the very beginning. And I want to invite you to follow along there on page 12 in your bulletins. And if you're with us here at home, either on Zoom or on Facebook Live, pick up your Bibles, open them up to Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to pick it up right there at verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love, He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will. To the praise of glorious grace which He has freely given us in the one He loves. In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, He made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth, under Christ. In Him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of His glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the, to the praise of His glory. This is the Word of the Lord. Let's pray. Spirit, fill our hearts today with incredible thanksgiving and profound joy in seeing what You and, you, and the Father have done in Christ our Savior. It's in His name that we pray it. Amen. Exclamation points, as a matter of punctuation, have incredible power to communicate profound, profound emotion. And I think I'm convinced more than any of the other punctuation marks out there. I mean, think, think about, I think there's 14 of them. The comma, 
the period, the apostrophe, the semicolon, the colon. We could go on. The question mark. Of all of the punctuation marks, the exclamation point has the most emotional power. In fact, in fact, there are a lot of, a lot of English lits majors who would disagree with our abuse, they might say, our flagellation of the exclamation point today. One of the great novelists here in the United States actually said, he wrote this, this is by Scott F. Scott Fitzgerald. He said, you should use the exclamation point, um, excuse me, he said this, cut out all the, these exclamation points. An exclamation point is like laughing at your own joke. Or someone who was attending a journalistic school wrote that she was taught that you get to use only one exclamation point in your entire career. So she said, you better use it well, and you better save it for a headline like, war over, exclamation point. Or like, pandemic, exclamation point. So that when you see the exclamation point, you would, you would arrive at it as a reader and you would say, oh, wow. She wants to communicate to me profound and evocative emotion. See, the explanation point has that kind of profound power, right? We get it. This lesson right here, you might say, is the Apostle Paul's exclamation point at the beginning of the book of Ephesians. The scholars and the commentaries, they give it all kinds of names. They call it, to use the Greek phrase, a doxology. It's, it's a praise. Or, or to use the Hebrew phrase, they call it a barakah, but I think our, our name for it is better because our name, the exclamation point, gives to it and communicates to us the profound thanksgiving and the deep, deep praise that Paul felt in the depths of his heart for all that God has done for us in Christ. He starts the letter by saying, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's how he starts. And it's almost as if it, this is a mountain stream that, that sometimes you can see, but other times it disappears just below the surface, but it is always there. It is always just below the surface because you can see it peek in and peek out. He begins in verse 1, praise be to God, and then it disappears, and then it bursts into view again in verse 6 where he says, to the praise of His glorious grace, and then it disappears again, and then boom, like old faithful, it bursts out again, and it says in verse 12, for the praise of His glory, and then appropriately, 
the explanation point that Paul puts on his book ends in the same way that it began, to the praise of his glory. Like I said, the explanation point has power to share with us deep, deep emotion. Praise be to God, he says. And in this lesson, the Spirit through Paul invites us into what we're going to call this punctuated praise. We are invited to join Paul and say, praise be to God. I don't want to overpromise. But if you want to praise like this, then you got to get the secrets that Paul shares here for a praise that is profound and enduring. Because otherwise, the praise in your life might, might turn into just like a little trickle and finally disappear. And you might say and, and, and reflect on all that Christ has done, and you say, thanks. Like one of those emails that you get and it just says, thanks, period. And you're thinking, shouldn't you put an exclamation point on it? But if we get the secrets that Paul has in this lesson for us, if we really get it, if we're invited into this punctuated praise with Paul, then we're going to respond to all that Christ has done for us and we're going to say, thanks! With an explanation point. See, the Apostle Paul invites us into this punctuated praise and he shows us just where this praise comes from. It's deep and abiding source. It begins up high, he says, but it continues also down low. Now, we don't have to get far in this lesson to see that this kind of praise, this deep praise of God, begins up high because the Apostle Paul tells us that's where it begins. He says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, where? Up high. In the heavenly realms, with every spiritual blessing. Up high, he says. It's as if the Apostle Paul, he's looking around and he's like one of those managers at a gas station. He's looking around and he's doing an inventory and he's seeing, is anything missing? Chosen. Before the creation of the world. Check. Declared blameless and holy. Check. Redeemed by the precious and innocent blood of God's Lamb. Check. Marked in baptism by the promised Holy Spirit. Check. He, he, he's looking around and he's saying to himself, Now, are any of, objectively speaking, are any of God's good gifts missing? And he says, Not a single one. In fact, in Christ, we have been given every spiritual blessing. 
That's where praise starts, is realizing what we have up high in Christ. And I suppose it begs you to ask the question, and maybe to do even an inventory for yourselves. I dare you to name even one, even one spiritual good that you are objectively lacking. Can you name one? Haven't you been chosen in Christ since before the creation of the world? Well, yes, you have. Haven't you been declared righteous and holy and blameless in the sight of God? Well, yes, you have. Haven't you been redeemed by the precious blood of the Son of God? Well, yes, you have. Haven't you been marked? Well, yes, you have. I mean, I dare you. Can, can you name just one? Can you name even one blessing, one spiritual blessing up high that you are actually missing this moment? Because I can't. And so if your praise is but a trickle, there can only be one or two reasons for that that I can think of. One reason might be because you have so devalued what God has done for you in Christ that you are no longer thankful. Jesus died for me. So what? Well, don't you know that you are on your way to hell? And then he bought you with his own blood? Maybe that's why you're not thankful. Maybe you've so devalued these things in your heart that you no longer care. Or, or, or maybe there's a second possibility. There's a second possibility that, that you spend far too much time instead of doing an inventory of all of the gifts and the goodness that God has shown you in the heavenly realms that, that you have set your heart on earthly things. Money. Wealth. Power. Whatever it may be. And certainly there, you, you, you can count the dollar bills and be like, there's something missing here. I don't have as much as Jeff Bezos has. And you can look at your health and be like, certainly I don't have a 100% health. And then you begin to be less and less and less thankful. See, look up. Will you? Look up. Because the Apostle Paul has clearly proclaimed portrayed to you Christ crucified. And in Him, you have every spiritual blessing. Praise God. Right? Blessed be His name because to such an undeserving people as us, to such a thankless group of people, He has given us every spiritual blessing. Praise God. Up high but not just up high, but also down low. You see, I don't want to lead you to believe, and neither does the Apostle Paul, that, that God only cares about the heavenly things. Because our praise only becomes deeper when we understand that He cares about the heavenly, but also the things down low. You see, in this lesson, we have 
the clearest teaching in all of Holy Scripture, I'm convinced, that God is sovereign. That God guides everything in our lives according to His good plan. He cares about every little thing that you do, don't do, and every little thing that happens to you. Isn't that what it says? And look at what it says in verse, verse 11. Listen carefully. In Him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will. I'm going to read it again because I really want you to hear this. He works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will. Now normally in human relationships, we shouldn't speak this way. These kind of universal terms like never or always or everything. In fact, a man and I have this little agreement that we're not going to do that in our relationship. It's not helpful, is it? It's never, it's never helpful to say, um, you never do this. It's not usually a true statement. Or you always do this. Again, not usually a true statement, is it? But when we talk about omnipotent God, it is always a true statement. He does work out everything according to his good purpose and will. That means what has happened to you or not happened to you was always under his control. He has not failed you, and he does not make mistakes. That's what the Apostle Paul says. And consider everything, everything that this means. That, that if we could even go back to before the creation of the world and speak in just sheerly human terms. Before time began, God had a conversation in the Godhead, the Holy Trinity. And He said, and you can fill in your own name, let us choose Tim Borman. And Jesus says, yes, we choose Him. And Father, I will do what it takes to wash His sins away and make Him blameless. And the Spirit says, yes, we choose Him. He will be baptized. He will. He will come to faith. I will work that in His heart. And yes, some things that appear to be inscrutable and meaningless and difficult are going to happen to Him. But what He doesn't know and what He can't see is this is all part of the plan. This is a part of the plan that's going to get Him to spend eternity with us. You see, this is what God is saying. He said, even, even the trials, even the, the temptations and the tests that come from His hand, He's going to use these things. He's going to conform them and bend them and twist them so that nothing that happens to you, in fact, everything that happens to you is just according to what He wants. 
suppose that this means many things, but one of the things it certainly means is this, that, that God is not that concerned with your comfort. But He is utterly concerned with your eternal salvation. It does mean that. And it also means that, that you have got and me with you to stop all the hand-wringing. Oh God, if I, if I just would have done this or that and I wish I wouldn't have taken that sinful, that sinful decision. Oh God, all of these regrets. If I just would have done the right thing, if I would have chosen the right path. But are you really that in charge of your life? Are you? Or is God? Is God sovereign or not? Does God keep His promises and His Word that He can take even our worst decisions and make them for His good? No more regrets? But more than that, it also impacts our present, doesn't it? Oh, wow, do people, we are so existentially anguished about whether we're in the right place and the right time and we're married to the right person and, and we're doing the right job and we're doing all the right things, but should we be? Or is it not true that God has had His hand on your life in such a way that you are exactly where you're supposed to be. Praise God. Will you praise Him with me? Praise God. We can't even make wrong decisions. We can't even wreck our lives because He's got His hand on our lives in such a way that He'll bend it and twist it and conform it so that ultimately it is for our good. Praise His name. Blessed be God the Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, up high and also down low. Oh, I wish I could keep going. <laughs> but eventually you're going to want to see the fireworks today. We have so many good reasons to be so full of praise. Up in the highest heavens, because we lack no good thing, but even down low, because we know that God has had His hand on our life, believe it or not, for our entire lives. You'll have to come back, I guess, next week to get a little bit further down this path. Because I can't open up this passage anymore in the time that God's given us today. I wish I could. But if we would consider this Paul's exclamation point, the sentence comes next. And we'll be able to open up on the basis of our text next week in Ephesians chapter 2 more about the grace of God. We'll hear more about this massive reconciliation under Christ. Racial reconciliation under Christ later. We will 
keep opening up this book and we'll get those things. But suffice it to say, I think it's enough, isn't it, today to have praise rise up in our lives, to know just what he has done for us up high and also what he continues to do for us down low. Amen. 